in our life. After the Lord's Supper that was in the upper room, and just before Judas betrayed Jesus, the Lord led his disciples into the garden of Gethsemane. And as Jesus entered into that garden, it was the end of a long and difficult day at the end of a long and grueling week. Have you ever had one of those kind of days? Have you ever had one of those kind of weeks? Luke gives us a brief description of something that occurred that day. On page 933 in the Bibles in front of you, in Luke chapter 22, I want to share with you what happened in the garden that day. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 39, Luke, who was a physician, writes these words. Coming out, that is, coming out of the upper room, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray, say pray. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Did you hear the words of the Lord Jesus telling us how we can avoid entering into temptation? How do we do it? <laughs> Excellent. Pray. Verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down. And you're not going to believe what he did. He prayed. Saying, Father... If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, Dr. Luke is the only gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only gospel writer that tells us of the sweat of Jesus becoming like blood and falling down to the ground as Jesus Prayed. It's Dr. Luke, more than any other gospel writer, who rivets our attention to that soul-piercing anguish that Jesus was experiencing that night 
in the garden. But what is the cause? What is the cause of this unbelievably deep anguish? You see, friend, we can't blame it on Judas. We can't blame it on a Roman guard. We can't blame it on Pontius Pilate. Because there is only one satisfactory answer to the cause of the Lord's deep anguish. The cause of his agony was our sin. Jesus was facing the fear. The fear of what the crushing weight of the world's sin felt like. He was facing a fear that not only made him sweat, but it actually made him sweat blood. Now, friends, this is not just some supernatural event. This sweating of blood is a real condition. It's a real medical condition called hematridosis. And hematridosis is defined as a very rare condition where a human being sweats blood as the result of suffering extreme levels of stress. It's where those tiny little blood vessels in the sweat glands rupture and produce a mixture of blood and sweat. I've been through a lot of stress in my life, but I've never been through stress like that. Have you? I point this out because you need to know this morning. We all need to know this morning that Jesus experienced every single level of trouble. He experienced every single level of struggle. He experienced every single level of pain, of sorrow, and of misery that you have in your past that you might be going through today or that you might go through in your future. In Hebrews 4.15, the Bible tells us that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted with sin, yet was without sin. Friend, in this passage of Scripture, we find some great lessons about dealing with our own times of great trouble, our own times of great burdens. It's here, friends, that we see what believers should do when we pass over the rough roads of life. As Jesus faced this severe burden caused by our sin, how did he handle the pressure? How did Jesus handle the pressure? 
Well, I want you to know, friend, that when the burden was too heavy for Jesus, he did not shut others out. When his burden was too heavy, he did not shut others out. You see, when times get really tough for me and you, we often resort to isolating ourselves. When times get tough for me and you, we try to cut ourselves off from other people. But that's not what we see in this example of Jesus. Jesus did not go at it alone. And if Jesus needed others, how much more do you and I need each other? Jesus knew what he was up against. And he took three people who were closest to him not to intervene in his trouble, not to bear the pain of his trouble. He took those three people who were closest to him to do one thing and to do one thing only, and that was to pray. I shared this with our life group this morning. And this week I have found how lacking my prayer life is. I found how much stronger my prayer life needs to be so that I can get where God wants me to be. I would challenge you to take the same view. Because friend, when the times get tough, and they're going to get tough, it may be time to get others to help you out. Why? Why is getting others to help you out something that's so significant? Because there is great power in partnership. There is great power in partnership. God inspired the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, to write these words. Here comes the profound nature of it all. You ready? Two are better than one. Really? But then he goes on. He says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm by himself? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When the burden got too heavy for Jesus, he refused to shut others out. But when that burden got too heavy, Jesus also did not shut his feelings up. In Matthew 26, in verse 38, Jesus said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. I've had sorrow in my life. I've lost a spouse, I've lost a mama, I've lost 
children through my own, the own consequences of my own sin. I've experienced sorrow, but none of them were sorrow that led to the point of death. And what I really want you to notice here is, is that this is something that Jesus was saying to his disciples. He said to his friends, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful to the point of death. You see, Jesus was being honest with what he was struggling with. Jesus knew what he was facing, and he made a determination. He made a decision to share it with those who were closest to him. See, we have to learn something, y'all. We have to learn the, about taking the risk of being vulnerable. We have to learn to take the risk of being vulnerable by asking someone to share our sorrow, to share our pain. We need to identify someone. We need to identify a small group of people that we can, listen, invite into our garden. We need to take a risk of coming to the place where we can invite someone into our garden of despair, into our garden of great sorrow. Now, that does not mean that you tell everybody all your problems. They don't need to know about your hemorrhoids. They don't need to know about your gas problem. And they certainly don't need to know about that rash that you got in funny places. But you do need to be prayerful. Be prayerful and ask God to show you someone or a group of people with whom you can share your burden. In Galatians 6, 2, the Apostle Paul reminds believers that we are duty-bound. That we have a duty to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what is a burden? Well, a burden can represent any difficulty that we might be struggling with. Any difficulty that we might need to be honest about. So friend, listen, if you're going at it all alone, you're not being spiritual, you're being prideful. Share your burdens. See, when his burdens got too heavy, Jesus not only did not shut others out, he did not shut his feelings up. But we also see in this passage that Jesus also did not try to do it his own way. Here we have the Son of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he wouldn't do it his own way. See, many years ago, Elvis Presley recorded a song entitled, I did it my way. Y'all ever heard that song? Yeah, it was probably a little bit better than what you just heard, amen? But here's the point. <laughs> who said that? I'll brush up and give it to you again then, amen. Here's my point. In the end, 
Elvis doing it his way didn't work out too well for him, did it? See, people try countless ways to escape their burden. People try countless ways to escape their fears. They do it at the bar. They do it at the bottom of a bottle. They do it through the abuse of drugs, anything to get rid of the fear, to get rid of the pain. I know because I've been there. They try to drown their fear. They try to numb their pain. They try to cast off their burden. But you know what they find? They find it's only put on hold. It's only put on hold until the sobering reality is resurrected the very next morning. Now there are some who go to worldly counselors. And you know what they get? Worldly answers. There are those who read self-help books. But you know what they find? They find that what helped others doesn't necessarily help me. There are others who look to other people to solve their problems. But do you know what they find? They find that those people have the same fear, the same problems, maybe worse than they had. So what do you do? Well, there is this other possibility. God says through the psalmist in Psalm 50 verse 15, Call on me in your day of trouble and I will deliver you. The brother of the Lord Jesus, James, said it this way. He said, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Jesus did what we must all do when we're faced with great pain. Jesus did what we must all do when we are faced with great pain. Trial. Listen, y'all. We need to pray. We need to pray. Whether it be in a hospital room, whether it be in a classroom, whether it be in a courtroom, whether it be in your living room, whether it be in a funeral home, those are moments for prayer. Moments for divine requests while we're in the midst of our trouble. They may be prayers of agony. They may be prayers of incredible despair. They may be prayers where you're at the end of your rope. But I want you to know this. Your heavenly Father hears you. He hears you. Did you notice what Jesus did? Jesus took his pain, his exceedingly sorrowful pain. Jesus took his agony, his incredible anguish. 
Jesus took his name to the Father in prayer. You know, sometimes I fear that we get so caught up in the busyness of life that we neglect to take time to pray. I'm telling you, I'm guilty. I got to get started on next week's sermon. I got to get started preparing for the Covenant Marriage Life Group. I got to be prepared. And I get so caught up in the busyness. It's a good thing. But it can never take the place of communion with God. Therefore, friend, listen, we, you, you'll, you'll never find time. And you, you can't fabric, you can't make time, you can't fabricate time. You're only given so much. So what do you got to do? You got to take time. Are you hearing me, church? Say amen if you're hearing me. Take time to pray. Take time. Notice that when the Lord knelt down and when he took Time in the midst of his anguish, in the midst of his agony, he took time to pray. Did you notice he received an immediate response? Now, the response to his prayer was kind of an unexpected answer, but it was an answer nonetheless. See, God didn't remove the cup, did he? God didn't remove the cup of his suffering. Instead, God the Father sent his son, an angel. An angel to strengthen him. So rather than telling Jesus how he could avoid the cross, God sent an angel to encourage and to strengthen him so that he could endure the cross. Jesus has not spared the trial. He supplied strength to face the trial. Jesus is not lifted up out of that trial, out of his trouble, out of his agony, out of his anguish. He supplied strength to get through it. So when that burden was too heavy for Jesus, he didn't shut others out. He didn't shut his own feelings up and he didn't try to do it his own way. He was living the Father's plan. He was going according to the Father's purpose to save you and me. But finally, I want you to notice that when that burden got too heavy for Jesus, Jesus chose not to be disobedient. In verse 42, we find the greatest words that have ever been spoken. Where Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If you can ever get to that place in your life, you will have arrived. Amen. It's day in and day out. It's moment in and moment out. It's trial in and trial out 
where we might, we have to say, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed. He said, Father, if there's any other way for mankind to be saved from their sin, if there's any other way whereby men, women, and children can make their way to heaven and have a relationship with you, if there's any other way, that's my desire. But only, only, Father, if it's your will. Greater than his fear, greater than his dread over the task to come, greater than the prospect of the cross itself was the Lord's overriding desire to please God the Father. Friend, listen. The greatest possible good available to you, the greatest possible good available to you is to do God's will Whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. But you know, it's a terrible thing when we find out that people you counted on have turned their back on you. It's hard to find out that you've been stabbed in the back. It's hard to find that you have been disappointed by the ones you trusted the most. Verse 45 tells us that at last, Jesus gets up from praying. We don't know how long he'd been praying there, but we do know it was late. And Jesus went out to find his disciples sleeping again. But only Luke, only Luke, he's the only gospel writer who tells us that the disciples were sleeping all right, but they were sleeping from sorrow, from sorrow. Apparently, these disciples had begun to understand the depths of what lay ahead for Jesus. Apparently, they began to understand the trial, the crisis, the agony, and the anguish that their Lord was going through, and they, too, were overcome with sorrow. You see, before Jesus and his disciples went into that garden to pray, Jesus had provided a living illustration of what he was about to endure. Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper was something that could be repeated regularly, listen, to remind you and I, to remind the Lord's Supper, to remind us of what the Lord had done for us. And what he wants you to know is that when you're going through your trial, when you're in the throes of agony and suffering the pain of anguish, 
Jesus says, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Sadly, many believers, when they get in the middle of a trial, they begin to drift. They begin to drift away from the Lord. They begin to drift and live more and more like they lived before they became a Christian. Their present life begins to look remarkably like their past life. You've seen them. You know who I'm talking about. And as a result, it appears on the surface that the whole walk with Jesus was just an insincere show. That's the way it appears. You see, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget what Jesus went through as he paid the cost of sin for us. Sometimes we forget what it means to be cleansed from sin and we go back to the pig pen. Sometimes we forget how our lives are supposed to change because of Jesus. And sometimes we forget that Jesus has redeemed us from a life of sin and he now has a holy call on our lives. We are no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus. So I believe what the Lord wants you to know today is you might be going through hell on earth. You might be going through some incredible troubles of life. Great trials, incredible pain. But regardless of the troubles of life, that don't change what Jesus did for you. Your troubles don't change what Jesus has done for you. So as often as possible, we need to be reminded of who we were before we came to Christ. We need to be reminded of what we were facing before we came to Christ. And we need to keep, keep moving forward regardless of the troubles so that we don't drift back to an old life. And I believe that regular participation in the Lord's Supper serves as that continual reminder of the death of Jesus for us. Jesus died for you. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and we thank you that in your infinite wisdom, you saw our greatest need and you provided the greatest remedy. The body and the blood of the only begotten Son of God, your Son, Jesus. Father, this morning... We remember him. We remember what you did through him. 
We remember what you accomplished on our behalf through him. And we realize that it's through his suffering that we have received the grace of God through faith in him. And Lord, we ask you now to let that truth resonate in our hearts as we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said. Page 933. Same page. In Luke 22, beginning in verse 14. Dr. Luke writes that when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew what was coming his way. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What was he saying? This is my last meal, y'all. This is my last meal. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. What was he saying? This is my last drink before I suffer. And in verse 19, he took bread. Friend, if you would, the Lord's Supper elements are in front of you. And if you would just peel back that top layer, that little piece of bread, that little piece of unleavened bread would be there. And when you've got it out, just kind of hold it up so that I know you're okay. But you've got it. Amen. Kind of thin. There you go. Everybody got it? Huh? Just juice? Well, you needed Dr. Luke to help you out, didn't you, sister? Amen. Amen. Everybody got their bread. Finally, good job. Everybody's got it. Good deal. Verse 19, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, listen carefully, this is my body. This is my body which is given This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do like the disciples did, okay? In verse 20, Luke writes, Likewise, he took the cup 
Friend, if you would peel back that second layer. You get careful, you'll be purple. And I would like to just extend this to our online viewers too. We sent a, a, a post to let them know to have bread and juice available. And we pray that you are partaking with us. If you've got your cup, let's see it. Everybody okay? That was a little easier than the bread, amen? Yeah. All right? Okay. Verse 20. Likewise, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, listen carefully, which is shed for you. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's do like the disciples did. It was better than the bread, amen? But you know, Luke's not done because he gave a final message. The Lord Jesus gave a final message that we find in verse 46 of our text today. Then Jesus said to the disciples who were sleeping from sorrow, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. My friend, my church family member, my brother and my sister, are you facing the most difficult trial in your life? Are you facing insurmountable odds in your relationships? Are you being forced to deal with the consequences of sin, whether they be your own or someone else's? If so, take a lesson and remember Jesus. Take a lesson and remember him. Have you brought loved ones and trusted friends in to help? Or have you isolated yourself and you're saying, I'm just going to go at it alone. Have you honestly expressed your feelings? Or do you believe that you have to put on this fake front for everybody to see? Have you taken your problems to God? Have you asked others to pray for you and with you? Or do you feel like you can just handle it on your own? Are you being obedient to God's leading in your life? Hear me, church. Are you being obedient to God's leading in your life? Or are you using the difficulties and the trials and the burdens 
as an excuse to be disobedient to God. Finally, have you accepted Christ's sacrifice for your sins? The breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood? Have you placed your trust in that finished work so that you can have a right standing with God? So that you can have forgiveness of your sins and be spared the penalty, the eternal death penalty of sin? Remember, Jesus gave his body for you. Jesus shed his blood for you. He says, remember me. Remember me. Because the Bible says that by believing in Christ's sacrifice for you, that if you'll believe with all your heart, you will be made right with God. And if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's straight from the scriptures right there. So as we prepare for our Easter celebration, as we prepare to celebrate Jesus rising to new life, can you think of a better reason to be saved than that? Can you think of a better day to be saved than today? Can you think of a better day to begin your new life with Christ? Friend, who would be willing to pray today? Who would be willing to pray today that everyone listening here in person and listening online, who would be willing to pray that everyone would claim that eternal life-giving promise of Jesus Christ? And who would be willing to pray that, that we who are saved would be willing to share our burdens that we'd be willing to share our burdens that God never intended for us to carry on our own. Who would be willing to pray today? Ahead, brother, and I'll close behind you, okay? Let's pray. Lord, Father, and our Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for taking that burden from us, Lord, mm. that we won't have to, Lord, to, to live a life eternal in hell, Lord. <sighs> Lord, we thank you for that, Lord, that, Lord, you took it upon yourself, Lord, to, to be placed on that cross, Lord. Lord, as we humble ourselves before you this morning, Lord, mm. we thank you. Lord, that you asked to look past that cup, Lord, yes. but the will done, and you knew it, Lord, and you did it because you loved us. Mm. Simple as that. Yes. Thank you. Mm. Lord, the Father is, Lord, if there's one amongst us in this room right here, right this minute, this second, Lord, I pray, Lord, 
You touch their heart. Lord, that you take that burden from them, Lord. That, Lord, right there in that chair that they're sitting in right now, Lord, you give them that strength, yes. that power, yes. that courage yes. to come up and come before you today. Yeah. The ride home may be too late. We don't know. Mm. But today, Lord, we thank you for our lives, our church, our families, our friends, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you go before us today, Lord. Lord, that all the the burdens, the the life, the the stuff that life throws at us, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you put a hedge around us and protect us from it, Lord, like you already have. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we cherish you this morning. Mm. In Christ's name, mm. amen.